Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chosen by Committee, the podcast where myself, Christopher Munden, and John Rosenberg read through every Pulitzer Prize-winning play since 1918, so you don't have to, or maybe so you choose to join along. Um, my name is Josh Heron. I am a third-grade teacher, uh, theater lover, sometimes writer. Um, Christopher Munden is the um, former um, biggest hater uh, of Philadelphia, um, <laughs> but now just a soccer enthusiast and and writer and uh, uh, blog person. Oh. I like how at the beginning, um, <laughs> as you were like, I'm a, my name's Josh Perrin, I'm a theater writer, and, and then gradually it's been like, what's theater again? Will I ever write about that? Uh, I'm a third grade teacher. Yeah, I'm always a third grade teacher. Third grade theater maker, actually, right now. Um, and John Rosenberg, um, uh, theater maker, even in these bleak, bleakest of times, his theater company, HelloFresh, is currently um, producing Ruby Rusty Rusty Ruby, a non-copyrighted uh, play by mail. Hooray! And there's a second play too. I haven't gotten that I, one. I know that one. That one takes a long time to make, and I can't say the name in German either. Mm. Um. All right. Well. Um, this week we have no funny business ahead of time and that's maybe appropriate because this play we're reading is certainly no funny business. Um, this week's play was called In Abraham's Bosom by, I believe Paul Green was his name? Yes. Um, who wants to take a stab at uh, summarizing uh, this one? Oh, John, you're going to do that, thank you. Yeah, I'm gonna do the summary. Um... So in Abraham's bosom, the story uh, tells the story of a man named Abraham, who is a mixed race African-American farmer from North Carolina, whose efforts at self-improvement are thwarted by the state's racial segregation and Jim Crow rules. Um, the, the Pulitzer jury stated in awarding the play, the play does not sentimentalize on the tragic situation of the Negro. Um, I thought I would just take what's on the internet because it's a little was more on succinct. Wikipedia, wasn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead of uh, instead of me trying to fumble through, but it's basically it does kind of tell the story of a man named Abraham, and over the course of thirty years, the different turns that his life takes, uh, uh, dealing with his own mixed race uh, relationships with his father, who was a slave owner to uh, having a child with a woman, to his efforts at self-improvement and trying to build something to those efforts, basically at the end. Build the school. Right. Uh, to him basically killing his half-brother and then being murdered at the end. <sighs> I, I just gave away what happened at the end. He dies. Yeah, spoiler, yeah. I mean, I think um, central to this this play, right, is the idea um, that education was the way to sort of uplift um, oneself sort of by your bootstraps out of poverty, right? That uh, the way to heal from the traumas of enslavement and to, um, you know, uh, sort of dismantle racism is by 
um, educating and learning and and so this I mean people want to do it I remember when I was a history major looking at uh, a survey taken of a mining town in England in like early 1900s late 1800s of uh, what the miners most wanted and some of it were like uh, you know shorter hours um, housing I forget that kind of stuff but the number one thing was a new library mm. and so yeah I think we underestimate if you if you don't have access to that to books to learning um, how important it can be to you we well, I'm not granted. the importance of education I just think it uh, I think that education sort of in this plane at this time can sort of be this like veiled like this way of like obfuscating like racism and trauma and uh violence um it's worth noting that <laughs> paul green is uh a white dude and um you know i've had uh <laughs> debates with friends that i've fallen on either side of the debate about whether or not um people of different races can write plays authentically <laughs> about about other folks experiences um in general, I'm more agnostic on that question, but after reading this, yikes. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, we have to acknowledge this is what the eighth, ninth, tenth play we've read, and it's the first one to even really touch upon in anything but like a casual racist joke, yeah. African-Americans, or even any non-whites in America. I guess you could say like um, the Chinese character um, in that California play and talking about what is white, whether those Italian Americans immigrants were white, but like, no, I mean, by the standards of our time, it's the consciousness is, is not there, but it is, it is a first attempt we've seen in any of these plays to even like acknowledge them as part acknowledge the african-american experience as part of american experience yeah i guess i think also if like i didn't know better you know i would have like i think that would feel more satisfying to me um, well it's not a very good play i mean no, that's but and also like i just saw i don't know if you saw rachel at quintessence but like that was written mm. in 1920 right so like there was or maybe a little bit i think around 1920 so like there were plays being written by African-Americans that dealt with race and similar issues in like much more sophisticated and deft ways. Um, you know, I don't think it's surprising that the Pulitzer Prize is ignoring them. I'm also like, I don't, I guess that was performed in New York at the time, but um, I also think those were happening probably in other places, but this is also, you know, around the time of the Harlem, like, Renaissance. Like, there are, like... Oh, yeah, Langston Hughes is writing, like, uptown at the same time that this is on stage, I guess. You know, so I think it's... it. While it's important to say, like, yes, it's the first, and no one, and no one else the Pulitzer Prize was honoring was doing that. I, it's not fair to say that, like, this was the, like, the state of racial consciousness in 1920 in like no but i think you see that in theater today we have plays i mean it's not necessarily racial but i thought think about 
Lynn Natage's, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Sweat, which to me was like, it was her doing an ethnographic study of working class people in maybe Scranton or something like that. And then writing a play that to me felt like it lacked understanding of, um, the, of the people she was studying. Mm-hmm. And it was put on for New York theater going audiences and, um, and, and it's important to them, shows diversity of experience, shows um, diversity of casting and that kind of things. And these are things that people like, but no, they're not necessarily done well. I think we see that, that definitely in theater today. And this is an early example of it to me. And that didactic, like, uh, sentiment and that uh, that do-dreader sentiment that this playwright had, I'm sure thinking that he is writing something important is something we see today and is still irritating. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I guess, you know, and then to be, like, to, like, go back on myself, like, you know, the only characters of color in plays earlier, like, don't have inner lives, right? Like, they just, like, are sort of these, like, props so like you know these characters certainly have inner lives although they are tainted by like sort of troubling tropes and stereotypes and like internalized racism um but i I guess i think it's it's just a an unfortunate failure of the imagination of the committee at the time and certainly uh like around the like inherent racism of the american theater that still exists today even if our um sort of prize selection the the prizes is going to more diverse people now um, and more diverse sort of works. I mean, but I, this may, yeah. I do think something that is like interesting to me that I'm thinking about with what you're saying is that at this point, it's still the play has to be produced in New York City. But it's like, you can see that the prize is like really trying to bop around to different areas, right? We've gotten, this is the second right. play in the South. We have... Uh, these very much like New England-esque plays. We have um, the play, uh, They Knew What They Wanted, that was set in California. Um, So it's interesting that like the American regionalism is important, but it's all getting sort of translated through this very like New York theater lens. Yeah, I'd like to hear from John, like we talked about, like what about the drama? What about the characters? What what worked and what didn't for you, John? Well, I mean, I, I, I found the play fascinating for a number of reasons. And I mean, I think as to like, you know, the question, Josh, that you kind of pose with your friends, the question of, you know, if someone can write characters that are outside their own experience, you know, and I know you say like you're agnostic, agnostic about it. I mean, I definitely have written plays that have characters that, aren't handsome white guys, you know? And I feel like the the most important thing, and I think the very interesting thing about this play is like, you know, anything could be good, anything could be bad. And it's really fascinating how he goes about telling the story and like the, you know, like how he does it, it it's very interesting to me. Um, like, Taking place um, across years. 
yeah, and I mean, the, scenes, the... the scenes he chooses to symbol. I mean, in a, I thought it had elements of. I think. Well, I mean, I, th- play in I think. I think the interesting thing to me is this. I think I thought it was very interesting, and it's incredibly fucked up. But the fact that Abraham has mixed blood, and so he's pulled in two different ways. You know what I mean? And like you. I feel like it shows up a lot in the stage directions or something, you know, heart says this head says that, you know? And so I, I think it's very interesting that the, for whatever reason, Paul green made Abraham um, a mix of black and white. And like the play is about him. Um, it is incredibly fucking racist to do that. You know, I, you know, in America, I feel, not I feel, but I know that like miscegenation is such still to now is such a, is such a taboo thing. And so there is something incredibly dangerous about him having a character who is mixed blood. Um, at the same time, it is, it's very interesting that that was his avenue in, to- in telling the story. Um, I think it's very interesting that all the scenes are super intense. Mm-hmm. like there is something I never read the Bible. So I really don't know about Abraham's uh, bosom, but there is something kind of like the Bible to this. Every scene is so intense and um, obviously, you know, it's on purpose and all that. Um, it's interesting. Like it, it I mean, I, I could ramble for a while, but like, I didn't have a problem with this play the same way I did with that other one about in North Carolina. What was that Hell one? Bent for heaven. I, I, I also preferred this one to that. Yeah. I, yeah. I found this play. He was in search of something. I, I felt like the playwright was in search of something and in search of an answer. And he had so many different questions. I mean, it's incredibly dangerous. Like his characterizations of like, the full-blooded African-American people. He is incredibly kind to the Colonel. I mean, right. The Colonel to the, and to, to the uh, white son. So kind to the Colonel who like whips Abraham in the first scene. That must, can you imagine seeing that scene? That would be a crazy scene. Yeah. Um, We're performing in that scene. Like how fucking traumatizing. But, but I, but, but what's fascinating to me is like, how like the first play that we've run across that really deals with the question of race, how it goes about examining that question is focusing on this character that has mixed blood of the two. Um, The play does not focus on the Colonel at all. Like it doesn't focus on. He comes in as like a hero at times to, I mean, right, to me, it's or... fascinating. It's fascinating that he is his father, and that it's it's mentioned, but it's never, you know, the the whole thing about about uh, about the colonel and also the, his uh, Lonnie, Abe's half brother. You know, there's so much. There's so much there. Lonnie was probably raised <laughs> by, the, by the colonel, right? Lonnie was like like viewed as as the colonel's son. Like, I think it's a I think, you know, um, no matter what, like someone who's enslaved can't like consent because they're property. 
Um, so like Abraham is like the product of a rape. It is not like, like he was raised in the home with the Colonel. I found it interesting that like in the first scene, it's made clear that the Colonel is his biological father. And I was like, Oh, this play might be really fucking interesting. Um, but it was almost just used as a plot device. And I guess it's interesting to me that this play, every scene is basically the culmination of all this shit leading up into this final scene, each one, you know? So like this first scene is like, Lonnie's like, dude, I've had it with you talking shit about me for all these years. They get into a fight, you know? Um, each scene, and it's just like very, very dramatic. Um, yeah. Oh, that second, the second scene where like the babies have been plowed over by the white that's, people. See, that, that's the fascinating thing to me is this play, even though it's so fucking troubling and the stereotypes and the racism that it, it swims in, there are a number of shocking and well done pieces to it. The, the, the part about the babies being plowed over dead that surprised the shit out of me and that got me, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause I it's felt... so, oh, it paints like such a desperate picture, doesn't it? But then you have this white knight of his father who we last saw whipping him come and like get them out of that in a way. Yeah. I mean, it is a good question of why, you know, why Paul Green did not make a play that studies the colonel why the play isn't and it's probably because white people don't really want to examine their own complicity and our own part of you know systematic racism you know it's more interesting to kind of watch there was a few things that really caught me um paul green has like one stage direction where abraham looks with indefinable expression mm. I don't know how an actor plays that, but I thought it was interesting. There was an interesting thing he also had as a stage direction where it says, for an instance, all differences are passed away and there are four human beings aware of the strangeness of their lives, conscious of what queer relationships have fastened them together. I love that. That's when the Colonel is holding uh, Abe's baby in that scene. Right. And there's another, there's a line where, uh, one of the African-American characters says something along the lines of a white man wrote it. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And like, Mm -hmm. so Paul Green to me, he was not a fucking idiot. Like he knew what he was doing. Um, Is just incredibly flawed. I mean, I think part of it. Yeah. I think he thought he was being sympathetic to, african-american plight it's and it just speaks to the the racism that was ingrained within I mean, american still society then oh like well like, after obama's I, election didn't we hear that yes but like uh i i think it's just fascinating you know the the that question of how people, mostly white people go about talking about race and how they examine it. You know, it's not an examination of the white people's part of it. It's like, Hey everyone, this is how they live. This is them for real. One of the moments that was dangerous to me and it was right at the beginning was like the other field hands Mm -hmm. 
I, I felt the depiction of them, even though you might say that they're like a chorus that kind of like presents the story to everybody. Mm. The fact that like they worked and then they ate and then they fell a fucking sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like it just, uh, it, you, you know, full-blooded black people are this way, you know, like, mm. and they're ignorant because, and it's not their fault, but they don't have education. Look at this one who's a mixed race one that, you know, and I, I think that was the Although, danger. It's not really presented uh, sympathetically. My problem, that it felt like it was um, written by an author who had never heard those people speak and certainly never heard them no, speak see, about see, white people when white people weren't around. Now, see, I actually no? disagree with that. I, I feel like... I, I wasn't worried about like if he knew how people talked or anything like that. Well, it didn't ring true. Oh. I mean, this whole thing is like a parable about the fucking Bible. You know what I mean? The opening, you know, one of the dudes is like singing songs, is talking about Abraham's bosom, and yeah, that's you know what I mean. It, it's stuff. Yeah, but like, it's very fascinating to me that he. It, he made his characters this way on purpose that like the full blooded black dudes, you know, are this way. Um, but this one who's mixed race, who, you know, is interested in reading and, and all these things. Um, it's like, I don't know if it's a parable or what it was, but I commend the dude for like not doing a shitty play or like being interested in diving into something that's been going on for hundreds of years. Like it could have been done much better. He could have shown like, um, shown Abe's downfall more subtly. It was, it was all very hand heavy handed. But at the same time, but at the same time there, there were, it reminded me of the O'Neill play with, uh, the two brothers, the one that went it away. To see there me. was there were a the lot one of that stayed and was super that, into yeah. books and then like yeah. the Beyond farm the fell apart. You know what I mean? I, feel I thought like... we were going to see that, you know, in that first scene where um, Abe and this another guy who is another like turpentine cutter who is like in love with Abe's um, future wife. He never came back into the play, but I think it was right. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. What, like, but there was no. There's a lot of parallels to uh, Beyond the Horizon. Writers writing about uh, books destroying people, and that like yearning for poetry destroying people. Um, one of the things I, um, one of the scenes I particularly enjoyed, actually was the scene in the schoolhouse um, as like a historical document of like what actually um, school would have been like right mm. back then I, as a teacher, I think that's interesting, but also thinking about um, the schools that would sort of, that were segregated, right? The schools that would lead up to the Brown v. Board decision um, and sort of what the conditions were of that schooling um, and how, you know, how much was sort of being put on one person's shoulders um, to teach across ages and to teach, um, you know, such a 
Yeah, I mean, that was an interesting. But they're all I, like short scenes cut off, right? But but I but I do feel Ooh, like you scene, do bring up. Just, there was that one scene in the schoolhouse. It was like in the very yeah. middle of the play. But you do bring up a good point, Josh. That like the interesting thing about Abe is like the play is not just about. It's not a suffering play in that Abe is always dealt like a terrible hand by white people. No, a lot of it, it is self-inflicted. Well, but even even in with the school, the the parents of all African American kids were like, "You're out of here because you beat one of our kids." You mm-hmm. know, like I think it's interesting that Abe. I feel like Green was saying that this dude has no place uh, in either world. You know what I mean? That like, because of his intensity or because of his blood, he is the way he is that this happens. I don't know. I mean, um, oh, go ahead. I would, you know, I, I would, I would read a dissertation um, or a book or at least a very long article about the original production of this play. And I mean, I'm thinking about that, that first scene about like how much of that early scene um, borrows from like minstrel shows, right? And that American theater mm. is like deeply indebted, indebted in weird scare quotes, but like comes off the tails of minstrel shows, right? Like the American musical is like Gilbert and Sullivan and vaudeville and minstrel shows like combined. So you're in a place where like you're on a uh like we're in that tradition and it's not that far away from when that was actually happening right actually in not even like still happening the jazz singer was uh two years in the future from this play where al jolson is in blackface so like um it's really hard to um to to say what was like what was expected and whether or not that was an intended subversion. Um, I have a hard time imagining a, a dream production of, of this. I think I can't um, imagine it getting produced. Oh no. It's dude. There was a stage reading of it a few years ago in North Carolina. Wow. I mean, this guy, I mean, Paul Green is big in, in the Carolinas. He has like this very longstanding history play. Um, I will say, I was going to say this earlier, but I do think it is like, it is probably the most ambitious play we've read. In terms yeah, of like I agree. time and location. Um, and trying to like deal with America. Yeah. Um, I also think um, this is the first play that feels like it's not about marriage. Like there is a yeah. relationship and there's some child, but like it's about like other stuff. Um, so I guess it does get some points for that. I do think that, well, I'll leave that for, sorry. Um, I think maybe in the hands of like a very deft. I guess I would love to see like this rewritten by like uh, Brandon Jacobs. Is he the guy that wrote Nocturne? Um, or, right. It would have to be almost rethought in that way. Right? Or Jeremy Harris. Like I think could really do something with this. I think something that like doesn't engage in blackface, obviously, but I think something that engages with the history of minstrelsy and like subverts the, like, and it's clear that whether intentionally or not, like this play is drawing on tropes from those sort of violent performance 
practices. And so I think something that like deals with that and makes that, brings that out of the text would be like, I don't know. Could you rewrite this play so it was better and less problematic? I mean, I think you That's my dream production. I mean, I think that like, I think that there are right now, I think right now there are supremely talented uh, black playwrights that are writing about this time period and about this stuff very, 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 very well. Yeah, Octoroon, that was, took like a 1870s play or something like that, yeah. right? And, like, and I feel like, it. Um, and I feel like that was probably more, like much more troubling than this. But yeah. I, mean, I think it's also hard. It's a time when like, like, I don't know if any of you have ever read or reread recently Uncle Tom's Cabin. Like, it's, it's not good. Oh, it's, I mean, that, and that was a hugely important book, an abolitionist book. Like, a, and like, it's really terrible and really problematic. Yeah, yeah I, have I mean, it's that. just, yeah. so I think it's like, I don't, I think it's how do you revisit these texts? How do you revisit these texts at the time? Probably were like, uh, Although, what? Yeah, I was thinking when, when we're gonna read this, one of my favorite books I'd say is Passage to India, Ian Forrester which is probably contemporary. And for oh, its time. I also love that book. You do? Yeah, it's a great one. And was for this a time, movie? Uh, I'm sure it's a movie. I think it probably was a movie. I could see it being like a 70s movie. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's about like race relations in British India and how, basically how, you know, colonists and a colon, colonized cannot be friends and for the time it's very liberal in its um in its portrayal nowadays you read it and you're like doesn't doesn't hold up but it does to a much greater extent than this and it's a much much better artistic work than this. i mean i think i come back to this right like like rachel was produced seven years earlier and it's not a perfect play, but handles this stuff in a much more nuanced, interesting way. And honestly, in a more emotionally, like, tragic and devastating. What hap Sorry, what happens in Rachel? Do you mind summarizing? Yeah, I can summarize. I might put this in the beginning. Um, so Rachel is a play about, um, it takes place in a northern city. I don't have the summary in front of me, so I'm just going to yeah. doing some. Um, it's about this family um, and the sort of oldest daughter of this family is named Rachel and she loves kids. And kids are drawn to her. Like she's sort of the Pied Piper of the neighborhood. Um, and she wants to graduate college and go to work and maybe be a teacher or maybe, um, and definitely wants to raise a family. And throughout the play, which takes place over maybe like five or 10 years, it's just sort of this like drumbeat of how cruel people are to black children, right? Mm. In, uh, in schools that are integrated, they're, um, 
they're mean and violent towards um, black kids in schools that are segregated. They're not like receiving education that's adequate. Um, and it sort of grapples with this question in 1920 about whether Rachel can ethically like give birth to a black child in America of that time. Mm-hmm. And ultimately she decides that she can't, which is, um, wow. and the production I saw was incredible. Um, in that the actress who played Rachel was like exuded, like in the early part of the play, such a joy and a warmth for children mm-hmm. that yeah. it was just so devastating that this person wouldn't become a mother, right? Mm. Like what a, like what a, like, uh, what a robbery of like just um, whatever could have happened because she was just such a, you know, warm person. Um, mm. And that like, it like ruined me. Um, and that like what you're talking about, right? That's a really small, like you're talking about someone's like life. You're talking about someone making a very personal decision, right? It's not big and showy and like anything, but it like, it, um, and it's not like, you know, it's not the most subtle of plays in lots of, in lots of ways. And it was, uh, literally designed as propaganda against birth of the nation, right? It was like the NAACP commissioned it as like, mm. um, I think they called it like a race propaganda. Um, mm. But I think it's it's more effective and I think honestly more deserving of that than this, but. Um, so why do you think this one? I mean, it was written by a white dude and not a black lady. <laughs> and it wasn't, yeah, you know. They obviously wanted to address race in a way. Yeah, I think they. I think they addressed race safe. Like, I think it's safer to, you know. I think it was. I think it was probably a safer move. I, I also don't know if, like, you know, uh, I know that Rachel was the first play to be performed in by a black cast in front of an interracial audience, but like, I'm sure that wasn't super common. Right? right. So, like, so this wouldn't have been super common, even even though Rachel would have predated it. The subject matter and the casting perhaps would have been. But I don't know. I mean, I think that like you know, the Pulitzer is hungry to like talk about issues. I don't think any of the plays where they've talked about like issues yet have felt. I mean, this one maybe feels the most dangerous, right? Um, and I think history, like has just not looked super kindly on, on how it has fared. But um, I don't think the, like, the plays they've written about gender have been like super like gotcha or the plays about cat class have really like debunked anything. You know, I think they're hungry to like show some problems as they are, but to not really pull the wool or like, I think that's even this too, right? Like I think the Pulitzer of the 1920s, sorry, I'm talking a lot. Um, I'll probably edit this down a little bit, but I think the Pulitzers of the 1920s is like very much content to show that like sexism and racism and uh, classism and xenophobia exist, but I don't think they're quite comfortable yet with really like pulling back the curtain and like showing like Oz, right? Or showing like how these structures exist. Yeah, I did look and I don't think Langston Hughes won a Pulitzer Prize for poetry. And I th- no, yeah. the, fir- the first African-American to win a Pulitzer Prize was in 1950. 
Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's a shame. It, like, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a shame in that, like, these prizes are, like, a way to, like, keep things in history, right? Like, there's no way we would have read most of, Any these, of right? these, right, yeah. if they weren't, like, if this wasn't this project. I will say, I think this play is just as important and interesting um, because I feel like this gives such, you know, it's like, what's the term? Uh, the history of history. I forget what the term is. Like Historiography. Yeah. To me, there, there's something interesting about the historiography of like, um, of like what this reflects of American society. So I, I appreciate examining really, really troubling plays that have very, very outdated elements to it. Yeah, I mean, I think interesting, yeah. like, interesting for who, though? Like, I, like... Let me say, I think it's important because the the terror of America is the, uh, is we have no memory, and the, how easy it is just to kind of, you know, if you read the newspaper enough, then you start to just believe the bullshit, and I think the beauty is reminding people of how terrible and racist this place is. This is like a liberal point of view in a northern city in 1920s. Like this is race conscious liberal point of view in a northern city in the 1920s and it's super, super racist. So next week we're gonna be reading Strange Interlude, which uh, nine acts, five and some change hours. It was, um, I guess, normally produced over the course of two evenings. So that'll make for some nice reading. But I think it's going to be a play that deals um, directly with World War I um, and apparently is formally experimental. So it should be exciting for all of us in different ways. Far out, man. Um, all right. Uh, we will uh, see you next week. Say goodbye, folks. Bye, folks. Goodbye.